Nation. It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Text coming in. I got a lot of stuff to get to here. Uh, actually, from yesterday. I missed stuff from yesterday. So uh, I'll hook people up here. I'll get the things answered. We got a lot to talk about. Um, I, I do want to go over today what's been going on with the Bears and the Colts. NFL Free Agency is off and running. Uh, I will tell you about some of these moves here. And uh, we'll talk about what the future may hold for both the Bears and the Colts. Uh, plus, Caitlin from Purdue Sports on. We've got home baseball coming up this week for you to go and attend and great deals for that and uh, some metrics that are pointing Purdue's way to uh, not only make it to the Final Four but make it to the NCAA Championship. we got lots of fun to be had here. Let's get started with the Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. And also, I finally feel better. I don't feel like I'm going to sneeze. Like yesterday we had uh, Sean Green. I probably sneezed about four or five times in the first five minutes here on the program. I feel much better today. Uh, let's get after it. It's a uh, it's it's another All America Award for Zach Eady today. He is the unanimous selection for the AP First Team, the only unanimous selection for the AP First Team. So there we go. Now that's two for two on the awards that count, or at least the. I mean, look, every little publication will put out their own, own All Americans. Uh, four are uh, out there that count. We've got two, both for media. So now we're waiting on uh, the coaches and um, one other organization there. So uh, trying to get that unanimous All-American, but he was voted unanimous on the AP first team. Trace Jackson Davis also made that list. Uh, Over to NFL Free Agency, which has been off and running yesterday. We talked to you about uh, all of the uh, great things that the Bears have done through the first day. The Colts hadn't done anything, really. But then they do make this deal uh, later on in the evening. Matt Gay is now the highest-paid free agent kicker in NFL history. Four years, $22.5 million. That makes him the the second-highest-paid kicker in the league after Justin Tucker. And really, you're only talking about... Because he's, what, four years and uh, $25 million? So, yeah, uh, not that big of a difference there uh, when you're making that money. To you and me, we're talking about, what, $2.5 million over four years. Still a lot of money to you and me. Uh, not that much when you're making that much, I think. Uh, and then also, uh, Bobby, uh, is it Okariki anymore or is it Okariki? I keep on losing track. Either way, he's gone. He's a giant now. Four years, $40 million. One of the big free agent questions uh, that the Colts had. Uh, speaking of the signings, how about former Boilermaker Raheem Mostert? He's going to stay in Miami. Why not? If you're going to get paid $7.6 million from the Dolphins on a two-year deal, might as well get it in a no-income tax state. It's also pretty nice down there. Not going to lie. I don't, He worked out well for them, didn't he? 
I mean, there were thoughts because they were just... Uh, Miami just loves free agents. That maybe he wasn't going to be the guy, but boy, when he got the touches... 181 attempts, 891 yards, averaged almost five yards a carry. He was a hitter for him. An absolute hitter. Good for him, man. I like to see good things happen to good people. Yes, we got to be Miami fans uh, at times next season. No Jaden Ivey last night for the Pistons. That was kind of a bummer. He's uh, day-to-day. But uh, the Pistons still ran over the Pacers. 117-97, to snapping an 11-game losing streak for Detroit. They're 2-15 in their last 17. Ugh. Pacers will get set to take on the Bucks on Thursday. Blackhawks will host the Bruins at home here tonight. And again, a very heavy underdog. I saw the Bruins at minus 450. I mean... Chicago is pushing uh, every time they seem to go out and play a decent team uh, if they can be the biggest underdog of the season. Plus 350 tonight are the Blackhawks. You almost have to take that puck line at plus 145. They've covered the puck line four out of the last five. And they're not winning, but they are covering the puck line. They're at home tonight uh, against uh, Boston and Boston. It's a good hockey club. 50-10-5 for the Bruins. Oh. Bruins with 10 losses. Chicago has just 22 wins. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Blackhawks, though, have lost each of their last eight games at home following a road loss. And they have also failed to cover the puck line in each of their last seven games following a road loss, so I guess forget about everything I just told you. I don't know. Look, abs are going to tell you they all want you to take Boston because the payout is very low. You're getting, listen, like it, even if it's at like plus four and it's, or minus 400, so minus 435, you're getting like, for every 100 bucks, you're making, what, 25? Yeah, they want you to play that risk. I'm not saying Chicago's going to win. I'm just saying at home plus 350 is a much better bet than it is taking Boston. We didn't play anything last night. It was just an off night. I hadn't done a whole lot of due diligence on hockey. We've been making the money here. We didn't have any NCAA basketball. But I will tell you, we, we do have those. Are they first four games or are they playing games to you? Tell me. I got the um, I got the poll going on Twitter. Is it first four or is it play-in? They also sometimes still call these first-round games, and nobody's agreeing they're first-round games. It's either playing games or first four, and it's leaning into the playing games. But you did hear Sean yesterday. We talked about the science behind first-half unders. So you got two tonight. And I'll tell you what, I am writing a first half under in this uh, Southeast Missouri State and then A&M Corpus Christi. First half under, 73 and a half points. Two teams 
All the eyes watching them for the first time. Maybe he got a little bit of the nerves playing in unfamiliar territory. I can't imagine these are big contingents that make it up to Columbus. So yeah, 73 and a half points. You better believe I'm riding under on that one. And that's actually increased too. Jeez. I was at 73 yesterday, 73 and a half now, not that much, but still, we're riding that first half under. I like that one because, you know, if you listen to what Sean had to say, it fit a lot of the criteria, what they look for. Of course, they also do blindly play all the first half unders. If you want to play the first half under in the uh, other game, which is Pittsburgh and Mississippi State, I will tell you that that under is at 61. That feels low, though. That just feels a little bit too low to me. I don't like that. I'll blindly play it anyway. I'm going I'm to buy in. They got me sold. First half unders. Uh, if you do want to get into hockey, I'll tell you what. I think we got a cheat code tonight. Andre Vasilevsky for Tampa Bay, the goalie. Over 29 and a half saves tonight. The New Jersey Devils are averaging 36 shots on goal in their last 10. And 36 and a half shots on goal in their last 10 at home. Tampa Bay allows 37 shots on goal in their last 10 away. And we just need to get 30 saves out of a uh, very strong goaltender. That is the play tonight. I like that one. We'll take Vavzal... I can't say this Russian name ever. But take them. Again, the Devils average 36 shots on goal. Tampa Bay gives up uh, 37 per game on the road over their last 10, and we just got to get 30 saves. We can do that tonight. I also don't, wouldn't hate it if you wanted to play who's ever in goal tonight for the Arizona Coyotes. They're playing Calgary. Calgary uh, averages uh, over 36 shots per game in their last 10. Arizona allows almost 40 shots per game in their last 10. And they've already allowed 51 shots versus Calgary in a previous meeting. I think Connor Ingram's in there. And we're talking 33 and a half saves. That's a little high, but it is Arizona. It's my it's my new favorite bet. It really is. Just taking whatever Arizona goalie we have in on shots on goal. And for a team that can shoot like Calgary does, hey, that's not a bad play. But uh, Vasilevsky is my play for hockey tonight. Best of luck if tailing. Let's hit some unders and let's hit some overs here on these save props. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about what's going on with the Bears. Let's talk about what's going on with the Colts and uh, what the future may hold for both of these teams going forward here as uh, they are rocking and rolling in free agency. Let's take a break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Back on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Always taking texts on the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, 765 447 Eight zero as uh, the NFL is uh, in the thick of things here with free agency. Everybody watching Aaron Rodgers, all of these uh, uh, rumors and stuff swirling around. Maybe he's at the Jets. Perhaps he has a wish list of free agents that he wants as well. Um, I just I, I don't know what to believe until we hear where he signed at. And where he, I'm just gonna sit here and 
Just going to sit here and figure it out, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but you know what? You don't care. He's not going. Uh, I mean, you care as a Bears fan, right? You no problem watching him lead the division. You don't care as a Colts fan. But let's start with those Bears. What a day yesterday. I mean, look. You got the DeMarcus Walker deal. Not bad there. Three years, 21 million, 16 is fully guaranteed. I thought, you know, that's a guy that comes out of Denver that uh, a, a good rotational player for you that can get after the quarterback. I mean, in one year, Tennessee, it's, what do you put together? It was uh, seven sacks, 16 quarterback hits, 32 tackles, 10 of them for a loss. And most importantly, played 17 games. So you've done a little here to address your your, your pass rush off the edge. I, I like that. Nate Davis is a fine offensive piece, although you know, Schefter says that that's going to be the primary focus of the Bears during the draft, is working on that offensive line. I think when you trade out and you add in DJ Moore, uh, you've got Chase Claypool there. You've got some decent options at tight end. I don't feel the sense of urgency to add a wide receiver. Although certainly one's got to be taken maybe a little bit later in the draft. That's one of those positions where, you know, I think you can find, if you're not swinging in the first round, you can find some good guys there, third, fourth round. If you do the right homework. But really, the slam dunk of the day here is they go out and get Tremaine Edmonds. Four years, $72 million, 50 of it guaranteed. Largest four-year contract for an inside linebacker. I like him. He's 24. This is a second contract. You know, he had a C on his chest over there at... Uh, at Buffalo, produces. He have 100 tackles in each one of his years, and he only played 13 games this year with the injuries. He had his best year. So that puts him up there with Roquan Smith. And then also you add in T.J. Edwards from the, uh, from the uh, Eagles on a three-year deal. Nineteen and a half million, twelve million guaranteed. All of a sudden, you've done pretty good with this linebacking core. You've what you've essentially done there is, you know, Roquan wants that hundred million dollars. You're not going to give it to him. So what'd you do? You ship him out. You got yourself a a uh, a second round pick, Edwards and Edmonds, and you're saving money. That's a pretty dark. Uh, you got to give it up for the Bears. That's a great adjustment. I know it's hard. Talk about losing a uh, a great player like that. And certainly, I know a lot of Bears fans weren't happy that he wasn't going to be a part of the future. I, I get that. But if I offer you these deals, paying Roquan all that money, 
We're bringing in Edmonds. Bringing in Edwards and picking up the uh, picking up the draft pick and still staying under the budget. I think you'd take the latter, wouldn't you? Now, the nice thing for the Bears is they've also had the salary cap room, right? And they came in. They came into this season with the most money to to be able to spend. What they come in with around forty some odd million? They got like forty some odd million dollars left. Maybe like seventy some odd million dollars coming in this free agency. So I think the Bears are spending wisely. I'm a little shocked that the wide receiver market hasn't moved much here. Right? Odell is sitting around. Juju is sitting around. I don't think it's an overwhelmingly strong free agent market. That's why, look, I don't see anybody on that list of wide receivers that I'm like, hey, if I'm the Bears, I'm willing to go out and maybe overpay a little bit for. I think if you're patient, you wait. I think a lot of the prices on some of those free agents are going to come down. Maybe then at that point, you take a look and see if there's a piece that works for you. If not, you find something in the draft. But I think the Bears have positioned themselves pretty well here over the first day and a half, two days of free agency. Meanwhile, you flip over to the Colts. What are they looking at? Another about three and a half million, four million left. They go out there, they give uh, Matt Gay this big contract. Look, kicker's not a sexy position. I get it. But it was a position that had to be addressed because I don't think you're going long haul with Chase McLaughlin. You haven't been able to solve this thing uh, since Adam Vinatieri left. And you probably let him hang around a little bit longer than you should have. Still got $2.9 million. Oh no, you don't uh, you don't take a cap number from uh Sanchez, which is nice. He's gone, you cut him before June 1st, boom. That's no dead cap hit. You like to see that. Look, Gabe, pretty darn good, hasn't he been? I always get nervous too when you get a kicker that spends a lot of time in favorable conditions. Certainly LA you're getting um you're going to get your uh, eight games, nine games in at uh, at the Dome. So don't have to worry about the win there. You got your one out of Arizona. San Francisco tends to be pretty nice weather for the most part. Now those numbers can get a little bit skewed. But, you know, you're playing Indianapolis. You're getting dome, all those dome games at home. You, know, you go down to Jacksonville, you usually have to worry about you know weather and wind down there. Houston's also in a dome. Tennessee, as long as you're playing before November, is usually not an issue with the wind. But he's been accurate. 
You think about this too, you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback. You may have to start settling for field goals for points. I don't think that's bad money to spend. I was with it. Now, as for what the Colts are going to do going forward here, that's a great question. They don't seem to be moving to keep a lot of the pieces that they've had. They're usually pretty conservative. Under Greg, uh, under uh, Craig, uh, Chris Ballard. I just get the sense that the, all their all their interest right now and all their focus is on what are they going to do at quarterback here? Because they've been snaked with the number one pick, you're now going to deal with the. I don't want to say it's the third best quarterback, but you are only going to get your third pick of a pool of, I think we've talked ourselves into four possible ones, right? With the Richardson kid, you got to throw him in there now. Otherwise, you're basically stuck with Will Levis, which who's been telling you the Colts are going to get stuck with Will Levis for months now. I just, I, I just get this feeling that they're much more lasered in on that, not too worried about free agency, that they're just going to do everything in the draft that they can. Somebody asked me today if they should go after Lamar and do that deal. I I don't see how that happens with the cap space that you have. I don't know that you can do that. You cut Matt Ryan, that saves you $17 million. But you still have an 18 million cap hit that you have to deal with. I just don't know that you have the money to do that. Let's say it's a perfect world. You're okay with what it costs to get Lamar. Picks and all. Here's the only other issue that I have with that. If you will, in a perfect world, if you can make that deal as the goals, you have to ask yourself two things. One, If I put Lamar on this team, does that get me to the conference championship? Yes or no? With the current makeup of what you got, is that enough? And it's hard to tell because you had Jeff Saturday run in the team. You had a Parks Frazier run in the offense. I mean... I don't know what if you exactly know what you do have as a fan right now or how it's going to look under a new head coach. My second question is, if you make this move and you sign him for four or five years, can you, with that cap, still be able to keep that window open? Because if the answer is no, then you're wasting money. If you don't think you could drop him into the Colts right now and become a, a conference championship contender, if you still need another year or two to build around him to do that, you're wasting money. You much rather roll the dice on a quarterback you like in the draft and deal with the uh, with the excess of money in the cap hit. 
I mean, you just, I think you got some other issues that you might have to address with the money. I don't know that that defense in the back half is enough to win you a, a championship in the AFC when you had to go through uh, a Buffalo to Josh Allen, when you had to go through Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know that you've got the pieces that you're going to be able to, you've got to keep that thing glued together for the next three to four years in order to make it worth it for you. It's an intriguing option, and I, you know, maybe Steichen can make it work. But whatever you sign him for, you need to make sure that the team is in a Super Bowl window with him. And I don't know if you would agree that it is. Yeah, you'll add some pieces here in the draft. But with with those extra pieces, is that does that get you does that get you into the Buffalo, Kansas City kind of conversation? I don't know that it does. Again, it's still we're also still sitting around speculating because again. I don't think that they have the draft or the um, the cap capacity to do it. They don't have a whole lot of guys they can cut before June 1st. That's big money to help free up a little bit more of that. It's just not there right now. It'd be an interesting, it really would be an interesting prospect. I don't think it's in the cards. Maybe. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back here. Caitlin's going to join us from Purdue Sports. Plus, a lot of metrics are pointing towards Purdue's way in the uh, NCAA tournament, despite uh, the media darling Duke Blue Devils seeming to get all the love in that uh, in in the bracket. Let's talk about that and more what it means. We're coming right back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Now Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. To our Hammerhead hotline we go. Caitlin from uh, Purdue Sports is on with us here. And a, uh, a light week on campus, Caitlin, but still plenty of stuff um, you know, to, to talk about here. Uh, baseball is going to make its return to campus uh, on Wednesday. It's a 4 o'clock start. They're going to take on Northern Illinois, and you guys have some really good deals on, on tickets and concessions with this. Tell me about it. We do, yeah. So like you said, we have baseball coming back home tomorrow. So tomorrow as in Wednesday, tomorrow. Um, against NIU, like you said, 4 p.m. Um, all of our midweek matchups are $3 midweek matchups. So therefore, we have $3 GA tickets as well as $3 concession deal items. So that's your hot dogs, your popcorn, and your nachos as well as domestic canned beer. Um, so we have a few fun things that we kind of run during our midweek matchups during the season. So you can expect there to be more $3 midweek matchups this season um, like we did last year. Um, with that being said, students are free admission with their student ID, so definitely come join us for those who are maybe still on campus and didn't go um, away for spring break. Um, but it will be a hopefully very sunny and relatively kind of warm day tomorrow afternoon. There you go. You basically look. You got it's basically like being here for spring break. You can get it for free there with that student ID. Uh, you got the uh, three dollar concession item, so you save money. You're good to go. You got the sunshine and everything. Exactly. It's basically it's Panama. Stay that way. Yeah, it's basically you're gonna have a fun atmosphere. It's basically Panama City Beach. I mean, come oh, totally. on. Totally. Yeah. No. You know, without the sand. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it on campus. Like, there's so much because softball's playing like 
seven games in like four days somehow. I don't know how they're doing that. Baseball's down in Evansville for the weekend. Yep. Uh, you, you know, golf is on the road here. Track and field's competing on the road. Swim and dive's competing on the road. Wrestling is uh, NCAA championships. Uh, obviously, women's and men's basketball in the NCAA tournament. It's yep. a busy back week. It's just uh, not at home. It's not at home. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean you can't start planning ahead here, too. Um, specifically, things like your uh, football tickets, right? We can still mm-hmm. do football season tickets. Yes, you can. Um, they start at just $126. Um, you can get those online at PurdueSports.com. Get, get us uh, excited for our football season. There you go. So it's so easy. And then... Uh, I know we're uh, all getting excited, too, for uh, the spring uh, practice that's going to be out there at Folk Field. I heard about that. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. We'll be talking about that here coming up next month. Caitlin, uh, enjoy a light week. But, uh, hey, enjoy baseball on a sunny Wednesday, all right? Absolutely. All right. Boiler up. Boiler up. Got to thank Caitlin, as always, for being on with us here and uh, putting you up on things. Hey, $3, like, you know, beers and Hot dogs and stuff, come on, get out there early and uh, watch yourself a little bit of baseball. It's going to be gorgeous out tomorrow, too, right? It's like sunny all day, like 50. Let's go. All right, uh, I have been asking you guys on uh, on Twitter, what do you call it? You know, it's those games tonight, right? Those first uh, two of the first four games, I think they call them that now. I was wondering what you called them. I always called them play-in games. Kyle Charters hates it when I call it play-in games. Because he says they're already in the field. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll be honest. It's it's kind of a weird spot. But I always felt like you were playing to play to, to get into the field of 64. But it is the field of 68 now. Now, whatever. Anyway, 55.9% of you say it's a play-in game. 44% of you call it a first four game. So there you go. Oh, and by the way, I did see this today. uh, This was bouncing around um, on Twitter. Somebody posted this up. 35 years ago, Purdue was the number one seed. 1988, playing up in South Bend. On St. Patrick's Day, which is also this Friday. Purdue took on a 16th-seeded Fairleigh Dickinson. Oh, no. And would go on to win that game. They would then go on to face a ninth-seeded Memphis team. And then also win that. I don't know. I saw that and I was like, that's crazy. Why were we playing games in South Bend, Indiana in the NCAA tournament? But uh yeah, that was that was kind of a shocker. But you know, in continuing to prepare for this, you look at some of the metrics here, right? We like mathematical data. I know it's the game's not played on paper, but math does a great job of showing us trends. And, uh, you know, by now, maybe you've scrolled through, like, on an Instagram or TikTok, and you've seen reels about, you know, some of these, well, the, the last, you know, seven or ten teams to, to win the NCAA championship had to fall in this and, and Ken Palm and stuff. And a lot of that's going to back it up. Ken Palm says in the 64-team era, there have been 36 teams to enter the tournament as a one or two seed that weren't ranked in the preseason AP poll. They've combined for zero Final Fours, averaging fewer than two wins per tournament. Purdue and Marquette. That's who you got here. 
not great. Connecticut went to the Elite Eight in 90. Missouri to the Elite Eight in uh, 94. Oregon in 2006 made it to the Elite Eight. Ken Palm's not helping us out. Even though when you take a look at the, uh, the, the last, was it like 10 years in Ken Palm, the minimum and uh, the, the minimum offense and defensive efficiency numbers in the final four teams, Purdue is in line with what they needed to be uh, on, on Ken Palm. Shot quality, great service. The top-rated shot quality team this year, heading into March Madness, has made the national championship game all four years in the last five and won it three times. Villanova in 2018 won. Virginia in 2019 won. Kansas was in the COVID year. Gonzaga was the runner-up in 2021. Kansas last year, 2022. This year, Purdue. And Purdue has the highest uh, rating here, adjusted uh, shot quality net rating, in the last uh, four tournaments. So again, more data here. Haslam metrics. Got to have a top 10 offense, top 35 defense. Purdue at 8 and 8. I mean, they, Haslam's got a great job of just putting these all in here of, uh, you know, where they were at rankings-wise, uh, Final Four no contenders. All these teams, that's where they fall in at. That offensive-defensive ranking, Purdue's right in there. So you get a lot of this uh, empirical data. A lot of this math shows you that Purdue really does have what it takes to get into the Final Four. And if I go back through some of these teams that, you know, they like that, oh, got to be worried about Memphis. Oh, got to be worried about Tennessee. Oh, you got to be worried about Duke. They don't fall into these categories that, you know, historically have proven out to be the winners. I'm not saying that all this stuff points to Purdue will make the Final Four. But it's not not pointing to it. That's my point to all this. You're going to hear nonstop about how much people like Duke. But I guarantee you half those people forgot that Coach K ain't even coaching them anymore. You find out a lot of those people that are taking Duke know maybe one player on that team. Just be careful early on here. They're going to. ESPN has a vested interest in the ACC doing. They do not want to be in the Big Ten business. They don't want to spend time talking about the Big Ten because they're not the Big Ten business. They want to tell you why the SEC and the ACC are the conferences. And they're going to continue to spin it that way. So just. I know you're going to get upset, but a lot of math out there. Points of the Boilermakers having this this success. I wish we could start doing preview matchups here, but what are you going to do? We got to wait till tomorrow night and we figure out who we're going to play first, and then we can dive into some of these opponents. Although it sounds like it's going to be fairly Dickinson.
They do like to press a lot, but they're a short team. They got like a six seven guy who plays like two minutes a game. That's it. And then the next tallest guy's like six six on the starter. So small ball. We'll see what happens. Their point guard's like five eight. We'll see what happens. We got a break. Look, let's take a time out here. We'll come back, wrap up the Hammer Down show. That's next on. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I don't watch the award shows. I saw the Oscars were on Sunday. I'm, you know, I'm watching the selection Sunday and looking at the brackets. I'm not paying attention to that. But I did see this thing here where they're upset. They missed a whole bunch of people in the in memorandum again. You know, the the, the uh, folks that have died throughout the year. They they had the little montage and stuff. And how this is like a tradition like none other. Every year, like they do this, the Grammys do that, like they, they all miss stuff. And I gotta ask, how is it that hard to pick that up? And they're not like small, like, hey, this was, you know, a, a background actor in like three movies in the 80s. And it's like Tom Sizemore, it's Anne Haish. Like they're major news. How do you, you should just have one, how's there not one person that's just in charge? Like, hey, listen, you see an actor, actors pass away, you put it down here on the little Google spreadsheet, and then that way we don't miss it. I, I don't understand how it's that hard. It can't be that hard. How's one person just not in charge of that? It makes literally zero sense to me. Other things we may have missed, Will Wade is back at it. He is the former LSU coach back uh, in the game here. He is coaching at McNeese State. $1.175 million, and he gets a five-game suspension to get started. So he's only making like two hundred dollars a year. You may remember he was a coach over at LSU, got fired last year after NCAA notice of allegations, five level one accusations, one level two violation against him, uh, offering cash payments to at least 11 prospective players, so said ESPN. Apparently got caught on the wiretap here. I thought the SEC just meant more. I, how did they not get around this kind of stuff? Not to mention, let's face it, when's the last time you see the NCAA actually come down on a program for any kind of improprieties? Like legitimately come down. Now this is a little bit different. They do have you know, alleged audio of all this stuff. So maybe, but still. And Beer could walk right into Oxford and get a job. I don't understand why Wade took off. You feel like LSU would be like, fine, we'll weather the storm. We don't care. We'll suspend him for five games and keep him. I don't know. You get caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Maybe it's a different rule. I don't know. Also, the Eagles have proposed a uh, the XFL fourth and 20 play instead of onside kicking. I'm kind of surprised that the NFL has not gotten onto this. For as much as they like player safety, um, to do away with that play where, you know, you just got bodies running full speed into each other like that, it can be dangerous. And it rarely results in a turn. I mean, what's the conversion rate on that? 10% or less on onside kicks now? It's insanely hard. But on the other hand, look, I like the fact that a team has done its job. I don't want to make it easier for a comeback. I feel like you're penalizing uh, the other team for doing really good. 
Now you're just making it easier for this other team to, to come back. But at the same time, like I said, I'm on the other side of the coin, these onside kicks like rarely ever work, and you got a high probability of somebody getting injured in them. So, fourth and 20? Fourth and 20. All right, that's going to do it here for the show. Uh, Bragg's in the stands on with us tomorrow. We're going to look forward to that here on the Hammer Down Show on one.